Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, August 7th. My name, of course, as always, with the silly intros, is Javier Reyes, your host of this Locked On Padres podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, only if you feel so inclined, please hit me up on either of those accounts, as well as the Gmail, which is LockedOnPadres at gmail.com, with any questions, with any comments, or any concerns that you might have, and I will answer them, and I might even answer them here on the show. Definitely going to be working to do a mailbag soon, because it's been, you know, a little bit more than like 20%, I think, if I do math correctly, of the season so far. Crazy, right? Pretty crazy times we're in. And with all the stuff in the season, there actually wasn't a Padres game yesterday, so I'm not going to be recapping that. Instead, as promised, is a Prospect Talk podcast with Mr. Aram Layton. As prophesized earlier in the week, as promised earlier in the week. And guys, let me tell you, you're going to like it because it's nearly 30 minutes of good old prospect talk. Nearly 30 minutes. It's a chunky boy. Damn. Damn, boy. Damn, boy. He's thick, boy. That's right, Mr. Fantano. Thank you so much. I am so excited for you guys to listen to this. It was super fun to dive deep into all things prospects, and especially Luis Patino, who we talk about first, uh, who just came up. I know he didn't do good. We recorded this like um, like two days ago, so we didn't uh, react to his uh, kind of not great outing, debut outing with Jack Peterson, decided to spoil the fun, that cretin. But still, this is a super fun podcast, and I hope you guys uh, really enjoy it. So without further ado, let's go! All right, everyone, we are being joined by a very special guest. He isn't usually the type of person that would be on a Padres podcast, I guess you could say. And also, uh, I guess his team is a little bit relevant because they might be, uh, they're kind of the center of controversy. But we're actually not talking about that. I'm being joined by Mr. Arab Layton of Locked On Marlins and most uh, recently just announced Locked On MLB Prospects. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, MLB Prospects is going to be a really fun show. And speaking of prospects, the Padres have as good of a system as anybody. So we got yeah. plenty to talk about in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Bad. But before we get into how the the Padres, you know, farm system, they have all 25 of all the top prospects in baseball. As everyone knows, this is statistical <laughs> proof. Uh, what's no, no, no lies here on my part. Um, really quickly, what is what is exactly this new MLB Prospects podcast about? Like what is what are kind of the things that you're aiming for to, to have, you know, put on it and whatnot? Absolutely. So I, I want to be a little bit different than generally what we see um, in regards to interviews, especially because you can expect weekly interviews with these minor league players. And I'm going to have players from all 30 systems, Padres included, uh, just to give a few names off the bat. Tomorrow will be the first interview released with second round pick Griffin Conine. Next week will be seventh overall pick of the Pittsburgh Pirates this past draft, Nick Gonzalez. He's got a really cool story too as a walk-on in New Mexico State, parlayed that into, you know, being the seventh overall pick. But I don't want to just ask like those surface level questions of, you know, what are the Pittsburgh Pirates getting in Nick Gonzalez? While mm. those questions, you know, can be valuable in the beginning, I really want to learn about what makes Nick Gonzalez or what makes Griffin Conine the player that they are. You know, everyone has their own approach to the game, their own, you know, every hitting's not cookie cut, right? So I want to get into the to the depths of that too, you know, the mental side of the mm -hmm. game. 
I really want to get into the right. different, like the different layers, because anybody can ask what it felt like to get drafted on draft day, and everyone knows that the answer is going to be something along the lines of of you can almost craft an answer for a player to say. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to be a little bit different in that regard. And then with the beyond the interviews, it's every day, just like your podcast is. So I'm going to mix in a lot of analysis. I'll be doing all 30 farm systems. I'll bring on writers to talk about their latest top 100 lists, top 30 lists, for example, MLB Pipeline just dropped their top 100 midseason update, updated the Padres list as well, putting in some of those draft guys with like Robert Hassel there, who we'll talk about who I really like as well. And uh, that that's, you know, just there's no other opportunity, I think, right now to get daily content on the minor leaguers that are the future of this game and then a chance to hear from them directly every single week. And hopefully I can bring a little bit of a different angle than the typical interviews you hear with uh, ballplayers. Yeah, it sounds really good, man. And just quick uh, programming note, since this is actually going to go on Friday, everybody, uh, check out that interview that he posted. It should already be up. Uh, one, one thing that's interesting is, I don't know if you feel the same way, but believe it or not, like, I don't. I was joking before. Obviously, the Padres don't have all 30 of the top best prospects. Um, I actually find, despite my ignorance on the subject and not knowing exactly all the prospects in baseball and, like, what's going on, I actually am more attracted to the story side of these players than I am for prospects in other sports like the NBA and football because I feel like those are covered so much and you could talk about stats too and that's always cool and you know how they're how is their play on the field but there's something about that you know and maybe we're guilty of over romanticizing the minor league system that might be possible but just this this road to the show thing I think is is has the opportunity for so many more interesting stories in my opinion I like hearing from these people so I'm really excited kind of for uh what you have uh, planned, I guess I could say. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way about that with the whole like just trying to, you know, there's there's something about it. I mean, we've all seen movies like Bull Durham, right? But like, what is it really like, you know, that kind of grind to go from single I, to double A to triple A and the majors, hopefully. Absolutely. And I think especially in the prospect realm, we tend to look at these players uh, as numbers even more mm-hmm. so than right. I think that we're guilty of that with every sport at every level, but especially with prospects because there's no other sport where the future of your team lies on these guys that you can't really watch day in and day out. So mm-hmm. one, I want to be able to do the dirty work for everybody and say, you know, got a chance to watch this guy. And I, I should have added too. I'm a minor league play-by-play broadcaster as well as a prospect writer and analyst. So I unfortunately will be able to see these guys play every day. Hopefully once the minor league season starts back up again next year. But on top of that, it's you know, baseball is such a mental game that, there's been so many players, countless players. Right. I'm sure yeah. you can even think of in the Padre system that had all of the tools, but the mm-hmm. mental side might have been what was too much for them or what they couldn't totally master. And that's why I think it's so cool to be able to talk to these guys in depth to talk about their approach, their adjustments. And a little teaser for Griffin Conine is you know, he, he was a second round pick for a reason. He was in the college home run derby. He has maybe as much power as anybody in the minor leagues and has exit velocities that would be in the top 5% in the bigs. But what comes with power often is strikeouts, and he struck out a lot last year. Mm-hmm. He still led the Midwest League in home runs, even though he started 50 games late, but he kept striking out, and he couldn't figure out how to cut down on it. This entire quarantine, he built a batting cage in his backyard, and I won't spoil the whole thing, but he's made a lot of adjustments mentally and physically, mm-hmm. and those are the things that I like to to talk right. about because it's like, okay, you, you had a bed, better season. You made improvements, but how would you do it? And that's the cool thing about baseball is everybody has to make their own adjustments. And it's just really an incredibly 
cerebral game that there's just so many things to tap into. And hopefully there's a lot of people that are interested in that side of things as well. And of course, there'll be some fun interviews mixed in with that. A lot of these players have so much personality and we just don't get a chance to hear from them. Absolutely, man. And I definitely really can attest to that mental thing. Uh, you know, even as someone who didn't play baseball too much, you know what I mean? I, I actually, the first time I played baseball was like in the fifth grade. It was the first time I like, like you swung a bat. I mean, it was insane, but I enjoy it. But I could definitely relate to that idea. Not to compare myself, of course, to people who actually are like professionals, not amateur, you know, kind of scrubs like myself. But I could relate to the, it's taxing baseball. And I don't think people realize like, basketball and football just just to, to just get into the almost semantics for it for a second like those sports are like constantly moving it feels like right and baseball it's like oh you struck out you got to wait like eight more batters now to hopefully get your chance again or for pitchers you got to wait your next rotation line there's something about how that it really is there's so many interesting stories i think that come from the mental game of baseball versus the other sports i think that's one kind of cool advantage or maybe just just think that's different about uh about our game really that what i enjoy so much hundred percent. And the crazy thing about baseball too is, you know, you get drafted in the first round. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Have a great time. You're really happy. All of a sudden you're right back to the bottom of the totem pole and you're riding a bus, just like the guy that got drafted in the 39th round. And if you don't Mm -hmm. perform, that guy's going to get called up before you do. And that's the crazy humbling thing. Whereas some of these other sports, yeah, you got to earn it. You're not going to get a starting job just handed to you, but you go straight to the professionals, you know, straight to the big league team, whether it's basketball, football, whatever it may be. And it's not saying it's easier to get there. It's just saying that once you are drafted, you still got a lot more work to do in baseball and it's humbling. And there's a lot of mental wherewithal that's needed to overcome all of this, especially when you have so many eyes on you and you're getting these prospect rankings and all of these things that people are looking at. And that's why it's really, really mm-hmm. cool to be able to talk to these guys. And I'm, I'm excited to do that. And I'm also excited just to be able to shed some light on all the farm systems and talk about uh, all the prospects in baseball, some of the more underrated guys that I like, some of the top rated guys that I like, because that side of things is just always a fun debate and always a fun thing to evaluate across so many different websites that have so many different opinions on so many different players. That's right, everybody. A quick second to talk to you about Rock Auto, the homies over there that Dominic Toretto would love so much. My beloved, my idol, Dominic Toretto. And why does he love them so much? Because rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake tail parts to tail lamps and, and mortar oil and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly directly to your door the rockauto.com catalog is a unique and remarkably easy uh little old catalog and service to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specifications and prices you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers did you know that did you know that the prices can be different oh my gosh why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts does that sound like it makes sense, guys? I don't think it makes sense. I don't think it makes sense at all. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And no, we are not done yet, guys. Oh, what? Yeah, that's right. We got one more thing to talk about. It's Postmates, the homies over there. They're super, super helpful. And as I mentioned before, the great American philosopher, RJ the Raccoon, in 
over the hedge, referring to animals, said, hey, we eat to live. And these guys, referring to the humans, they live to eat. And I, 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 that, that quote, it, it really just, it hits me to my core, guys. You know, I identify with that so much because if you're like me, you probably start thinking about dinner when you're eating lunch. That's right. I love food and that's why I love using Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now because I can get food delivered without leaving the house or even opening the door. And given what is going on in the world, they create non-contact deliveries so they can leave everything right outside your door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which I've been using to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. You guys need to be supporting your local neighborhood spots right now. Let's be honest. Local spots, they are Flamin', they are in fuego. They're so good. Try your local spots, guys. It's super important and a great way to support your community. And Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushis. They actually make my life easier by picking up everything I need from Walgreens and 7-Eleven and dropping it off right outside my door. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. Oh, what? Yep, that's right. You heard that correct weird strange voice that I just did to start your free deliveries download the app and use code locked on that's code locked on for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days that is right when you download the Postmates app anything you need anytime you need it Postmate it speaking of kind of opinions on players let's get into that shall we because I'm really excited to have you on because the Padres farm system, while it was a little hyperbolic for me to say they have all 30 of the best prospects, they certainly do have one of the best farm systems in the league. Almost by most, I'd say, uh, sites and experts believe that they have um, some of the best up there with like the Dodgers and whatnot, right? And I want to talk about one of those guys, and specifically, it's Luis Patino, who just got called up uh, at the time of this recording yesterday, and at the time everyone will hear this two days ago. What are kind of like your thoughts on him? Was this a surprising move, do you think, that they called him up so early considering he's so young? Like, what do you think his talents might lead to the team and what have you? Well, it makes sense that he gets the call up now after the the clock date passes, where now he won't be a free agent until 2026. So I definitely wouldn't have expected him to be called up before that. I still think it is surprising to an extent that he got called up because, you know, he he really – only got a cup of coffee above high a ball and <laughs> you look at his numbers though and you, you can understand why the Padres wanted to call this kid up and it's a different it's a very individualistic case where each pitcher is going to be a little bit different some are going to be able to make the jump from a ball to the majors some you know really need to take their time with Patino he is already pretty darn polished I would say and the big discount for him was always his size. I think when he signed originally, he was only 150 pounds. He's up to 192 now. Mm. If you look at what the listing weight is, at least six foot one, another knock was the height. And I'm always a little bit, I don't worry about the height as much. That's not usually a thing that's going to stop me from liking a player, especially when somebody like Luis Patino uses every ounce of their body in his motion and not in a bad way. It's not saying it's a max effort motion, but he does just uses his body well. And that's why you have a six, one guy that's able to throw an upper nineties mile per hour fastball with downhill plane on it. And he's really deceptive. The fastball and slider already are major league pitches. So he's going to start in the Mm. bullpen just because of the way the Padres are are set up right now, but that's fine. And he's going to get his feet wet there. But the plan is for him to be a starter, and he he is a starter in my in my eyes. The only issue, and I, I say issue lightly, it's really not an issue. It's just the thing that he needs to polish up on is the changeup because 
right now, like I said, the, the fastball and slider are, are big league pitches. And that's why he has ridiculous strikeout numbers. But left-handers are a little bit more comfortable against him. And I think they hit right about the 260 range. And it's because that slider is a little bit easier to hit for left-handers. And that's why the changeup becomes a much more important pitch. He's still mm-hmm. only 20 years old, as you pointed out, he's young. And he's mm-hmm. going to have take time to refine that third pitch. But for now, I have no doubt in my mind that he can hold down a bullpen spot and be effective as a back-end bullpen guy right away for the Padres just with those two pitches. And as he refines that changeup with the command he already has, I think MLB Pipeline has a 55 grade on his control. I would say that's right on. He's got really good command. It's really just the changeup. That's the only thing holding him back from being a legitimate two, number two or number three starter. That and, of course, maintaining health. Absolutely. I mean, that's just it's exciting stuff to hear. You know what I mean? But it's it's crazy that this this it's the 20 year old getting called up uh, so early, I think, by a, a lot of standards. And I think it's maybe part of it could be because the Padres bullpen has been struggling so much this year. You know what I mean? So from from uh, Amelia Pagan to Kirby Yates himself. Uh, well, he did have that nice three strikeout game the other day. I talked about how like the Padres bullpen on paper is one of the best of the league. And you know, with if you add Patino and hopefully the other guys regress to the positive, it could be really, really good for the team. Um, and yeah, so that's the big headline guy I'd say for the Padres right now. But I also wanted to talk to you about a couple other guys, right? One of them is kind of the obvious, super obvious prospect that everybody knows about, right? And that's Mr. Mackenzie Gore, who you talked about a little bit of in uh, in your podcast episode about top five prospects in baseball. What are the feeling? What exactly is this guy's feeling? Right, he isn't being called up yet. But what is exactly is this guy's ceiling? Is he really as dominant potentially as all the analysts and experts are making him out to be? And when could you see him possibly make an impact for the team? Well, as Michael Jordan said, the ceiling is the roof for Mackenzie Gore. <laughs> it's it's whatever his ceiling is going to be is whatever he wants it to be. It's really just a matter of of how much he can really tap into his already ridiculous tools as a pitcher. I would say he's the pitching version of a five-tool player where you have a left-handed pitcher with a good fastball already, like an above-average fastball, a plus slider, plus command, plus curveball, and an above-average changeup. Like he does, he has everything. There's nothing else. If you created him in a lab, that's exactly what you would want. A left-handed pitcher that has command of four pitches and a solid fastball. I mean, it's really scary. You can dream on this guy <laughs> to be a Clayton Kershaw type if everything works out. Of course, there's been players with tools like this that haven't quite hit their ceiling, but I don't know if there's ever been somebody this polished like Mackenzie Gore is. I mean, nobody has been able to touch this kid since he was in high school. I think what was the ERA? Like 0.19 when he won Gatorade <laughs> Player of the Year and he mm-hmm. struck out 160 or something like that and only walked five. I mean, that's just video game numbers, but that's just high school. Mm-hmm. But then he go, rolls right into pro ball and dominates rookie ball. He was off to a little bit of a slow start in A ball, but he was mm-hmm. probably the youngest pitcher in the entire league and more than held his own. Goes into high A in 2019 and was lights out. Opponents hit 130 against him. And he punched out 110 in 79 innings. Like that, that you don't do that by accident. And he's he's a kid. He's striking yeah. out grown men in high A ball at a ridiculous rate. And grown men are hitting 137 off of him. He goes up to double A and gets a taste of double A. And again, held his own. I, I would have liked to have seen him be a little bit more 
polished because he seemed to lose that command a little bit. And that's something that's never been an issue for him. And it's not, it wasn't like it was a huge issue, but it seemed like he was almost trying to be too perfect, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's expected when you throw a kid that's barely, you know, just out of being a teenager into double a where it's a bunch of players that either have already gotten a taste of the big leagues or are knocking on the door. And I think it was more just a case of him trying to be too careful. And if there was a double a season this year, I think we would have seen numbers somewhere in between what we saw with his single A numbers in 2019 and what his numbers were in double A in his just 21 innings there. He's going to be fine. I don't know if he's going to get the call up this year just because the fact that they already called up Patino, there's already a decent amount of pitching. You, you mentioned the bullpen's good. I think it'll you know sure up. But if somebody goes down in the rotation, you can give Gore a hard yeah. look. I think you're rushing him mm-hmm. a little bit at this point based mm-hmm. on just what we saw in double A, but that's just because he only has 183 innings thrown in, in pro ball. So that's not a lot. It's not a big sample size. Unless he's really impressing in big league camp, I would wait till next year and let him pitch in double A for a couple months and, and really show he's ready. But there's no wrong answer. If you call him up, I think he would be more than fine and hold his own. But do you want him to hold his own or do you want to make sure he's really ready? And I don't know if he's quite there yet. I think he needs a little bit more comfort and a little bit more trial and error under his belt as he continues to sure up his already incredible tools. Right. And I think that what's interesting is I feel like a lot of it may have depended on how good the Padres are. Actually, I think that if the Padres started out so poorly, you know what I mean? Say they were, I don't know, five and 10 right now or whatever, whatever the possible worst record is, right? Maybe it's possible that the Padres start considering like, uh, no, let's not bring this guy up, whatever. It's a lost season anyway. But if they're potentially winning and then, like you said, maybe they lose that guy. Maybe like Lucchese falls out of the rotation or Zach Davies, you know, God forbid, of course. Um, maybe they start saying, you know what, let's give this a shot and kind of try and go for it because it is a shortened season. So maybe they're kind of like, let's let's just let's just go for it. Like, let's just see what happens. Right. Um, it could be interesting to see for sure. Um, I'm just so excited. I mean, <laughs> the numbers you said, it, it's like la- you laugh. You know what I mean? You, you laugh at it. Like you're just you, you think of these numbers and you're like, ah, how does this even make sense for people to be so talented at this early of an age? I mean, this guy's younger than me, younger than both of us. Um, now I want to ask you about another guy uh, that I think is less talked about. I, th- I think that's fair to say he's not like the top prospect in baseball for for the Padres. He's certainly up there, and that's Luis Campuzano. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because the Padres catchers are, you know, Austin Hedges, great defensive catcher, right? But literally the other day was the first hit he had of the season. And Francisco Mejia, not as good of a defensive catcher, has been struggling at the plate too. So I feel like a lot of the Padres fans, myself included, are worried about catcher. What can you tell us about Luis Campuzano? I'm glad you led into it with with those two players because mm-hmm. I think he has the potential to be the perfect blend of the two if everything works out. He's got the offensive ability. I think that's indisputable after what he did in 2019. I mean, the numbers are crazy. 325, 15 bombs, 81 driven in. And he only struck out 57 times, walked 52. This is a guy that would be in double A right now, and I think he wouldn't have skipped a beat offensively. Defensively, the tools are there. So you, you talk about a guy like Mejia. I think Camposano has more tools than Mejia has defensively, but there's just some little things that he needs to shore up. His receiving skills could be a little bit better. He only threw out 20 some, I think 22% of runners. 
And that's, you know, it's got to be a little bit better than that because it's only going to get harder as you get up to the higher levels. Mm -hmm. And for something like that, you know, we're getting nitpicky with a guy that hit 325. He's agile behind the dish. He's definitely got the ability to stick behind there. But the reality is he's so good offensively and I'm so confident in his bat. I mean, this is a guy that had a 400 on base percentage in Mm -hmm. single A last year and a tough, tough league to hit in, in high A. Uh, his back in play, he did get a concussion. You know, if he gets a few more foul tips behind home plate, God forbid, you, you can move him to first base or maybe to a corner outfield spot and his bat will play there. But right now he is about a year away, a full season away of, you know, just getting better defensively, getting more reps back there, working on trying to throw out runners more. The bat's fine. If you really need the bat, it could probably play up by the end of next season. It's more about the glove and whether you know you, you think he's ready as a defensive catcher. Right now, the obvious answer is no, but he has the tools, whereas maybe a guy like Mejia, you know what you're getting. Uh, Camposano, you can kind of dream and hope that he refines the defensive skills enough to really even it out with how good he is offensively, but the bat's always going to carry him and there's always going to be value in him, whether he figures it out behind the dish or not because of how mature and advanced his approach is for just a 21 year old. Uh, I really am excited to see what this kid can do. And not to mention he has a rocket for an arm behind the dish. So it's not like he he's struggling because he doesn't have the tools. It's just really about reps and consistency and footwork. And those are things that you can teach. You can't teach to, have a rocket arm behind the dish. And that's some of the things that he has that, you know, some other players just aren't born with. Absolutely, man. And the, all this stuff, it's going to be so amped. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's so great that the team is, you know, doing pretty well right now. And I think that they, you know, have some potential to, I mean, certainly in a shortened uh, or an expanded, I mean, playoff pool and a shortened season, there's certainly potential for them to like make a little bit of a dent for the first time for the team in a log, log time. Um, but it's even more exciting that it's like, it's not over. You know what I mean? There's still all these guys coming up. Um, are there any other guys, do you think, in the Padres minor league system that maybe people aren't talking about as much that you're particularly high on? Or, heck, heck, even guys that you think might be getting a little bit overrated in the Padres system compared to expectations from everybody else? Yeah, it's a great question because there's a, there's a couple guys I feel both ways about. Robert Hassel, which mm-hmm. we haven't seen him play any pro ball yet this year, but he was my favorite high school bat in the draft, him or Zach Veen. And Zach Veen went off the board pretty darn early. To get Hassel where the Padres did, I think was a steal. This is a kid that is a five round or five tool, excuse me, five tool type of player potentially. Uh, the most advanced hitter in the high school class. And you could tell by just what he did with Team USA. Every video I've seen from him, I, I forget that he is a high school player because of how mature he is at the dish. Left-handed swing. I, I liken him to a Michael Brantley type if everything works out mm-hmm. where he's got the hit tool that's going to play. He, he's the type of player that I think will climb through the system quickly because of his bat-to-ball skills, and he's got a good arm. He was a legitimate prospect on the mound, and obviously his bat played up more. And it's really a question of whether he can stay in center field. I think he's quick enough to stay in center field. The problem is with these kids, 18 years old, he could end up putting on some more muscle and then maybe he's not as quick, but he's got more than enough juice to hold down a corner outfield spot too. And he's got an arm to do that as well. I think he's got five tool potential and Michael Brantley type of ceiling is is something I could see with him. 
on the other side, oh I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm hard on Taylor Trammell. I want to like okay. him. I, I've really wanted to like him. I think the trade was not a bad trade by any means. I think it was a great trade mm -hmm. for the Padres to, to get Taylor Trammell out of, out of what it was a Fran Mill Reyes and uh, one mm -hmm. or two other pieces. I mean, this, the ceiling is there. I, I think if, if he figures it out, he could be one of those players. That's a late bloomer. The, the fact that he's so good defensively, he will always have mm -hmm. value there and he can, he can fly. But when I look right. at some of the, the hit tool ratings on him at 55, I've seen 50, 55. I just think that's too generous at, th at this point with what we've seen from Taylor Trammell in the higher levels. He's really only been able to hit in high A ball. And that was at a 277 clip. And he does just doesn't consistently strike the ball enough. When you look at how he did in double A before and after the trade for two different teams, he just really struggled, could not consistently hit the ball, was striking out a bit too much. And I really need to see more to really be sure about his ability to be a consistent starter in the bigs. I'm not counting him out by any means because of the tools that he has. But when we're talking about tools that you can dream on, there was power that people were talking about. Just wait for Taylor Trammell to tap into his power. Wait for him to tap into his power. He looked like he was starting to do it when he hit 13 in 2017 in Dayton, and that's in low A, but then really just has not been able to match that total sense. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he can figure it out because I do like his tools. I do think he carries himself the right way. I like the way he plays the game. I just like to see some more consistency with the bat. But then back around on the other side, I really like the pickup of Cole Wilcox in the draft too. Yep. I was just I about to ask people, about that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people looked at him as unsignable and – I think you can make a case that Cole Wilcox could in the future be better than Emerson Hancock. And I, I might get a lot of slack for that because I know a lot of people were really high on Emerson Hancock, but Cole Wilcox, the only reason why he didn't go earlier was signability concerns. And then the only reason why he didn't go super high was concerns about whether he can be a starting pitcher. And you know, that, that is a question. Maybe he won't be a starting pitcher if he doesn't totally figure things out. But this, like I said with Patino, it's a little bit different because Patino to me is already a starting pitcher, but he has the type of mix already with the 65 grade fastball and a legitimate slider that he could be a reliever, no problem. It's just about staying healthy for him. I think Wilcox is a legitimate starter in this league and a potential top end of the rotation starter if everything works out. And to be able to get that with not even your first pick in the draft, that's a huge yeah. steal. I think that that could be one of those that we look back on and say, how the hell did the Padres or how did the rich get richer with a mm -hmm. later pick in the draft like that? Great job by the Padres to allot the money, be able to sign Cole Wilcox there. No matter what happens, I think it was a great leap of faith to try and do so. And now he has some time to get healthy, to get consistently healthy and try and go deeper into games once the season starts back up again. But Cole Wilcox, I'm, I'm high on him. And he could be the steal of the 2020 draft when we look back on it. Man, man, man. <laughs> it's so exciting. It's it's crazy, though, because, you know, you talk about Hassel and Wilcox, and I'm just like, this is crazy. They already had a great farm system, and now all of a sudden they're getting guys, and they signed Wilcox. I think it was a record uh, uh, contract for $3.3 million, I believe, um, which was great. A lot of people were telling me, hey, you should be excited by this kid. And by a lot of people, I mean just – Twitter. So like no like official lines, but people were saying, hey, this guy might be a sleeper. And I love that they got him so late in the draft. It's so exciting. And 
it just ha- makes me have faith in the Padres more beyond just this season. It doesn't feel like every berry is in one basket. You know what I mean? So, uh, Aram, uh, this was so much fun. I love hearing about prospects every now and then. Uh, not all the time. Maybe not all the time, especially when I have no idea who the heck they are. They're 17 years old. But it's really cool that there's so many guys that are making an impact uh, in the minors for the Padres. And with Patino coming up, I mean, I just thought that it was just the absolute perfect time to have you on. And it was a blast. Oh, 100%. And I'm, hopefully I can come on sometime again soon. I'm sure these guys are going to be uh, getting the call up one after another soon enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll be happy to talk about those guys. Uh, I'm high on the Padres in the future. They've already got a lot of talent up there now, a lot more getting ready. Uh, I would buy stock in the Padres if I could. Uh, This is going (laughs) to be a good team for a while. Uh, Yeah, thank you so much, man. Uh, How are the Marlins doing, by the way? They're doing all right? (laughs) Uh, They're they're three and one. Three and one. Three that was one, they're in first place. That, that was rude <laughs> on my part. That was rude. Uh, but seriously, hey. Aram, it's been so much fun. And I hope the Marlins, you know, uh, what's I don't know what the word is for them right now that'll make everybody happy, but I'm just gonna say I hope they I hope they figure it out, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope so. <laughs> All right, for sure, man. Uh it was it was so much fun and uh take care. Thanks again. And ladies and gentlemen, that is it. That is it with my talk with Mr. Aram Layton. It was so much fun. I will definitely be trying to have him on the podcast in the future to talk about more prospect stuff because um, the Padres actually made some roster moves. They've been sending some people down, including Naylor and and Joey Lucchese. So clearly uh, they're they're ready to start moving things, I think. So who knows? We might uh, soon get Mr. Mackenzie Gore to come up. And then and then Aram can be back to, uh, to react to Mackenzie Gore, who I assume will be fantastic. Guys, that's it. That's all I really have to say. It was super fun. I hope you guys enjoy tonight's game against the D-backs. we got to get after it and beat their butts in. That way we keep them at the bottom of the division where they so rightfully belong. And we kind of bounce back from that really sad loss against the Dodgers and continue uh, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s MVP campaign. But with all that said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever. Uh, Until next time, guys, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful, my Friday Faithful homies. Take care.